pre-taped from his office, or his bedroom, or his mom's basement, or, well, wherever the hell he is. Welcome to the only place where you can be smart on the internet. A really smart podcast with Tommy. Thanks, Chowski. Hey, what is up, my summits? What is up? It's Tommy Smart, live in New York. Well, not really live, but pre-taped from my office. Bedroom. Anyway, what's going on, guys? Tommy, hitting you up. It's almost midnight on a Tuesday, and usually um, we've been having guests on the podcast for almost a year now, um, but today I'm riding solo. Just a young man and his crazy thoughts. Yeah, sorry guys, I <laughs> dropped the ball, as they say. Um, well, it's not really my fault. I scheduled interviews and people just ghosted me. Um, well, too bad. Um, can't help you. Just yeah, just had some scheduling conflicts with a other bunch of uh, guests that we're gonna have on the show. Um, but then they just decide not to contact me back. And it's hard, people. It's hard to go through life and not be fucking resentful at people when they uh, drop the ball. Drop the ball. And I see them, ans- see them looking at my messages. And you see them when they were received. Or when they say, yeah, we'll do it. Do the interview. Let's schedule something. And they don't reach back back, back to me. Um, kind of fucked up. But whatever. I do what I can. Anyway, so I guess just be me and you just talking about stuff and shit. I uh, realize, uh, well, first, let's just get this out of the way. We got shows, 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 shows. Um, Just got the poster for uh, the Pure Pressure Comedy Show. I will be in uh, Brooklyn. As I'm not surprisingly am in Brooklyn at some points during the week. Um, I will be in Brooklyn on the 20th of November. Um, I believe that's a Sunday. Yeah, it is Sunday. And I will be with the very funny Gracie Cannon, Marco Rivera, Dan Wicks, who's a brilliant joke writer. Uh, Stan Tullius, never heard of him. Honestly, but I'm sure he's okay. Um, if not very funny. And then Jamie Wolf. Jamie Wolf is an interesting guy. He runs the Sesh Comedy, which is somewhere in the Lower East Side. I'm actually kind of excited because I wanted to ask him about that and find out more about that information about that show. But this is the Please Give a Fuck comedy show at Crystal Lake, Brooklyn, with uh, my friends uh, Meg Feeling and John Fox. So we have those guys coming, 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 coming. Keep those monkeys coming, coming. Um, so yeah, they'll be over there as well. So we'll come through for that, and then um, it's bomb shelter comedy at the Gaff West. Not to be confused with the Gaff East. I'll be at the Gaff West for bomb shelter comedy on the seventeenth of November. It's a Thursday night at eight p.m. And I think I'll be back with uh, 
Rory Lutz at his Laughing Pad comedy show up in Washington Heights on the 18th. And I'm working on date in Baltimore for Thanksgiving week and I'll let you guys know more about that as it happens. Um that'll be fun stuff and shit. Um really crazy actually. I was at an open mic for a place called KGB Bar which I've never actually been to. It was a variety mic. I have some weeks before these shows as you know, so I mean I don't like to stay you know, I I'm I haven't been doing comedy long enough to really justify not going out, not being out, not having the time to really go and, how do I say this, you know, just, I don't have the time, I haven't been doing this long enough to really justify not going out multiple times a week, whether it's a open mic or a show, to really work out new material, and so I do that. And I go to this uh, variety mic um, with Crenshaw White. He's been on the podcast before. You guys know him. Uh, went with him to this place called the KGB Bar for this variety mic. And basically, I gotta tell you, I'm at this fucking open mic. And it's a pretty swanky bar. Um, you can feel like there was a lot of communists in that bar at one point. Um <laughs> Which was so weird because I think I talked to somebody about it and they were literally like, "What's a what's a KGB?" Yeah, uh, I mean, I don't want to sound like a Fox News guy, news guy going like, "Hey, these kids today don't know what the KGB was." Yeah, there these people literally do not know what some of these things are. Now, Tomets, if there's any of you that don't know who the KGB was, um. The KGB was basically the CIA for the Soviet Union. That's what it is. That's what they were. And they were, and a lot of, there were some spies in in the United States that posed as Americans, which, um, fun fact, that was a really good TV show, The Americans. You can probably still find it on um, Amazon. Was it Amazon? Yeah, I think so. Um, some long-time actors that were on that show, and it was pretty good. Uh, pretty good. And, well, so there was a bar, which I'm imagining is somewhere in the village that a lot of Soviet spies would hang out. I don't think they would all be together at one time, but you get the idea. They're, they would be around. <laughs> um, I imagine, what did the communists do for fun? I don't know, but sitting in a bar was kind of a thing that some people did at one point. Anyway, that being said, I go to this mic, and I was excited because it kind of felt like pre-COVID times where I went to a mic that I didn't know with nobody that I really knew, and first off, no one made a comment. like I'm like, hey, there's a lot of, uh, we're going to get COVID, too many people here, you know, that kind of a thing, hacking the brains out and just like, pretending that they had COVID. That didn't happen. Um, and ultimately, it was a pretty good vibe. You know, sometimes these kind of mics, they're pretty good because when you go to them, you don't necessarily are there with other comics. So 
you get people that aren't used to watching comedy, so they're not jaded and heard the same joke 10 million times. So going into this thing is kind of all right. So, But then time passes. And time passes, and you are like, all right, am I going to get up? No? Okay. What's he doing? Is it going in order? No. Okay, well, Crenshaw came with me, and he told me he was going to be really late into the night, so that's not happening. Okay. Well, what's going to... All right, no. Now I'm just going to sit here on my ass. Okay, well, whatever. Have fun. And for the most part, it's okay. And I'll say that it's okay because... I don't know. It's kind of... I kind of just missed... Like, I... I'm pretty much a... I don't use this term to describe myself, but I'm a pretty social guy. People, I think, know who I am. Or at least, if they meet me, I leave some kind of impression on them. I'm I'm out there. I'm out there. And so, you know, it's kind of been fun not knowing everybody in the room, still meeting some new people, and kind of seeing a scene in the city that I don't really know about before. In this case, poetry. You know, I never really knew that poetry can just be considered just going on stage and saying, hey, I'm horny. But apparently that can be a thing. People have actually said that. People uh, have actually said that. And, okay. So, yeah, no, where I'm sitting there and the scroll just goes up and here's a poem. I'm horny. And that was the poem. No joke, like legit, that was the poem. This chick literally just gets on the stage and goes, I'm horny. I'm horny. I'm wet. And I'm horny. You know, just going on that thing. Like, it's just... Jesus. Anyway. So, she did that for a period of time. And it's just, okay, well... Whatever. Um, Sitting there, watching her do this thing. But that's what they, uh, that's what they like. That's what poetry is now. And there was a guy, too, that kind of looked like Jackie Mason. Had the suspenders and the hair that kind of looked like his style and going like, If you know Jackie Mason, he would just be like, Here's a, how do I call you nuts, you bastard? That's, and that's how she, no. I always liked how Jackie Mason had this like, this line where he'd be, like, he had this line like, they said they go go out with the, who goes out with a girl out of respect. Out of respect, you go to a funeral. All you know about this guy is that he went home when he came back. He doesn't know you better. The taxi driver knows you better. At one point, I gotta get to a point in my joke writing where I kind of like not joke steal, but I really study another comics like flow, and I write jokes in the same structure or flow. I don't know if there is a better word to describe that as 
another comic. It'd be kind of a cool way to really enhance my joke structure. Kind of would be. You know, like, I watch videos on, like, how Louis C.K. writes a joke, Chappelle writes a joke, but I never really understood how to really make it my own. I don't think I really gave a shit at that time. I don't know. Anyway, I think I've talked about my jokes for sure before. I don't really need to do that. Anyway, so why was I bringing this up? So us and me and the other comics, um, the, all five of us that were there, uh, that knew each other at the very least, um, we're just kind of like, all right, when are we going to get up? This is kind of cool, but we've been here for like three hours. Um, and then people went up and they fucking left. And <laughs> sitting there, and even one guy, uh, I don't know if I ever talked about him on the podcast, Kevin McCloyne, he um, was like, Yeah, dude, I'm going to leave after my set. I'm, uh, I'm too tired, man. I'm too fucking tired. And I got work tomorrow. And I just can't do this. I'm like, okay, well, whatever. Go do your thing, man. You're a good dude. You're a good guy. Don't feel bad. But uh, he messaged me today and being like, yeah, dude, so sorry that I left, bro. Didn't mean to. And be like, no, dude, you're, you're, I mean, do I like, you know, toughing out a mic with some comedian friends? Yeah, but that's just what we are, you know? It's every man for himself. And just because we hang out all the time doesn't mean that we're really that loyal. Loyalty, loyalty, loyalty to one another. Anyway, that being said, um, it was a decent mic. Good energy. And I really forgot just what that was like. You know, just you just forget how some things are sometimes um, mic wise. So I get up there after like at midnight or so and I do my jokes and I crush and even some newer stuff worked. Wish I did one other new joke, but it kind of worked out for the best, I think. And uh, tired these days. Sorry, it's like, did I mention it's almost midnight? Yeah, kind of tired. I, I wanted to... Um, do the, I thought about doing this for like early in the morning, and so you guys had this before, really get your day started. Um, just so I woke up fresh, but I wanted to kind of take my mind off doing this. It's just, I I I think when I started doing this podcast, we were going through the t- craziness of twenty twenty, and I was trying to avoid. It was kind of inevitable. We talked about the election, you and I, in our kind of conversations that we've had with one another for a while, and I tried to avoid it for a long time, but it was it was inevitable. And then I had guests on and wanted to stay clear to that because everybody's got like different opinions, and you just don't want to hear the same hogwash over and over. Trump was a bad guy. Hey, he was a horrible human being. He was okay. I'll admit, I'm, you know, anyway, I'm not, I don't even want to discuss politics, man. Trump was a crazy guy, okay? I think he was a very, is a, is a very smart guy. 
He's not an idiot. He knows exactly what he's doing. Um, he's very bombastic and likes to shoot from the hip and improvise as he goes along. And sometimes it worked in his favor. Sometimes it fucked everything up. But he was one of the most effective presidents we've ever had. Not the most statesman. Not the best president. But the most effective. And he did a lot of some good things for the country and did it and failed at some other things. That's all I'll say. Okay. But uh, I don't want to just spew that around because I'm not a political analyst. So what the fuck do I know? I have my opinions as an American citizen. And I don't think that's even like a Republican or Democrat thing. It's just like, or a left or a right. I'm just a red-blooded American. Likes to do his fucking shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyways, that's what I fucking believe. That's what I believe. Anyway, but I just want to get away from the uh, midterms elections and the and the play-by-play of how things are going down and People are going to say this one thing and that another thing. Oh, well, it was a red wave. It wasn't red wave. And this is what it means for 2024 and blah, blah, blah. I was thinking about it earlier. It's kind of like sports. Like we had Ruben Wolf on the show not too long ago. You might remember him. He had his special that dropped. And he was just saying how much he loved the football season because now it's like people have something to write about. The sports writers have something to write about. It's not just them bringing up what's, I don't know what you call it, um, theory. Uh, just, you know, theory, just theoretical ideas about what the season could be or reflections, I guess, on previous seasons. I guess that's what people do or some news. So what I'm trying to say is then you have... Um, it's only when you have an election that you really have something to talk about I feel in politics I mean there's the day to day stuff but sometimes you have a slow news day and there's not a lot to talk about but when there is it's cool very cool anyway so yeah but I just, so, just, I'll get my news from the certain news sources in the morning, and we'll go from there. I don't know. I thought it would be cool if New York had another governor, a new governor, get a new direction, and somebody's going to care about crime in the city, or just how, how expensive it is to live, or, or just anything having to do with anything but I feel like I don't know I just feel like there are people okay who no matter what their party does they don't do shit for real if you are with a certain party and they do something you will stick with them for I just I've never seen it. The rigidness towing the party line. I I, I 
I'm dumbfounded by it sometimes. They would just stick to it, you know. You could, I mean, you can have a candidate who sucks. You know, let's just say this: Democrats, they suck. They're just balls out, out there. God knows what the hell is going on half the time, and they do anything. And you're just like. Uh, they could advocate something horrendous. You could have a guy who, a candidate who can't even speak. We got a president now that can't even speak. What, will they vote for him again? Sure. They'll never vote for another, for somebody in the other party who's younger, has better ideas. Anything. Anyway, I said I wouldn't go into politics and I didn't want to. Because I just don't. That's just not what I am. I will say, though, I'm happy that COVID's, like, in the past. And I felt like last night when I was at that mic, packed room, nobody made a joke about COVID, you know, stuff like that. Just a bunch of writers, just a bunch of poets talking about how unloved they are. How afraid to love they are. How unlovable they are and how in love they were. Oh, this is something I can f- tell you guys. So I went to go see, had um Death of a Salesman on Broadway. I haven't been on Broadway in a minute, but just wanted to go. Had a, um, my mom was in town. Um, um, you know, I will see her and her side of the family on, um, Easter and went over to Long Island to have dinner with my uh, aunts and uncles on my dad's side of the family. So I like to just keep in touch with my family. Um, you know, cause still just be a part of it instead of just being some guy that's like out there isolated from the world. Anyway, so I had my mom come into town. Um, good visit. I, I partly just, you know, my mom's like, at the vibrancy of a forty-something-year-old, but at the same time, it's you know they're not gonna, she's not gonna be around forever, and uh, a lot of my friends in the comedy scene, some out out of my comedy scene, they have had their parents die, and I get to a point where I'm just a little live in the hyper reality of uh, just knowing that you know we're all mortal. We are. And, I mean, I don't want to be sound morbid about that, but it's just a fact of life. So, you know, just hang out and visit with uh, your mom while you still got a chance to. Same thing with my dad. You know, talk to him. He's retired now, so I'm going to tell him that he doesn't have an excuse to come visit. And, uh, you know, guilt him into it, too. And, uh, I don't know, it just feels weird. I don't know. I don't know. It's uh, it seems like the contrary, in in media, you know, to like uh, parents are down in Florida, let them stay there. I'll visit every five years, you know, that kind of a thing. And you know, I'm not a guy who needs to be with my family all the time, but the times I do want to be with my family, it's like you know, you want to just have that, you know, have the holidays, you know, and uh, 
have like a visit every couple months just you know so it's just you know don't look back and wish you had more time together I guess that's what I'm saying uh, so I had my mom come in to visit and saw death of a salesman with uh, oh Jesus uh, Wendell Pierce yeah Wendell Pierce he was the guy who was like she you know, from the wire he was also a parole officer in uh, in uh, Ray Donovan I don't know how big of a role that he really had or impact that he had on the audience but he was in that I think Ray Donovan in that show he kind of blackmailed him for something he was like okay Just pulling out the playbill second here. Um, but the going through here, going through here. Um, I did his. All right, so uh, oh, let's see the wire, Treme suits, Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan. Uh, that's his big TV credits. Um. Let's see, Willie Roman and the other Broadway credits, The Boys of Winter. Done. Never saw that. The Piano Lessons. Never saw that. Serious Money. Tis Pity, She's a Whore. <laughs> That's another play he was in. Um, yeah, so, you know, really good character actor. You know, he was right up there with anybody else that played him. And I, just, I thought they were going to put in some kind of um, something to do with s- systemic racism or race in America, but I didn't really see it, honestly. Um, I think there was... Uh, I do know that his brother, Ben, if you've seen the play, um, you know that Willie Loman is kind of just like haunted by his... Um, uh, just the regrets that he had in his life and mostly having to do with business. And one was that his brother Ben said, hey, come with me to, I think, Africa. Um, obviously, his brother was very African. Sorry, doing this late at night. I'm a little, t- a little tired a little bit. Um, so his brother was African and maybe that had something to do with it. And they sing some songs at one point, um, but and there wasn't anything to me that that said like, "Oh, this is really a departure from the original text of Death of a Salesman." Um, so I didn't really see it, and ultimately, it doesn't really matter. You know, I it's the story of Willie Loman can happen to anybody. You know, black or white. Um, so. I didn't really see that. It's more about, um, well, I would say it's about the American dream. Um, it's a little bit about fathers and sons, um, husbands and wives, um, and the decisions that we make in life. Uh, I, I, yeah. Uh, and I remember too, in, Maybe this will sound a little bit weird, but bear with me a second. Uh, Denzel made a film adaptation of a play called 
fences. And I remember fences being described um, as the black death of a salesman. In that it was also they were both about men frustrated, like middle-aged men, aging men frustrated with how their lives turned out. And I think Fence was as well as always with um, black characters, um, and I think that's why they called it like the Black Death of a Salesman. Um, Death of a Salesman was always well, it was different. Death of a Salesman initially, the play initially had um, Lee J. Cobb. Now, for those of you Tom Metz that knew that I went to film school and was always interested in show business. Um, you know that this might be a little bit more. Ah, I'm not. I mean, maybe just maybe maybe not as into this shit as other things. But hey, go listen to another podcast. I don't know what to tell you. I got like 123 of them episodes here. So, but essentially, um, Lee J. Cobb was an actor back in like um, I guess the 50s in a movie called uh, 12 Angry Men, and he was also um, uh, Johnny Friendly in, uh, on the waterfront with uh, Marlon Brando. Anyway, so he played Willie Loman and kind of played a little bit more of a working-class tough guy in that, and while Dustin Hoffman, when he played Willie Loman, he played him a little bit more nebish, nebishy. Yeah, I would say that would be a little bit more nebishy, right? Um Hoffman Death of a Salesman Television Film. Let me see if he was Oh, John Malkovich played his son? Whoa, I didn't know that. Um oh cool. I didn't know it was John Malkovich. The guy that played um his Yeah, oh cool. I can watch it on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Let's go there. Oh, cool. Oh. Yeah, that's him. Diff Loman. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it does not often play some a little bit more nebbish in that one. Um, Okay. Cool. I have to go sit and watch this. Yeah, I have to check it out. Wonder if they have the Oh, they have that too. Okay. Okay. I'll have to check it out a little bit. Um Yeah, yeah, shit. I'll have to check this out. Cool. Was it just want to compare the two, just to see how th- what the modern day spin would be on it. Um, because again, I didn't see it too much of it. I didn't see people being too weird about it. Um, but then again, you know, I've it is what it is. I mean, because but yeah, man. Oh wow, that really was. Uh,
Yeah, like even right here, like when you look up Death of a Salesman Returns to Broadway with Black Leads, again, I mean, maybe it's good for it. Uh, maybe that's good for... Um, yeah, universal human experience. But, hey, no, I just, I enjoyed it. It was a good play. Um, I think it was modernized in a certain way while it was still a story from back in the day, but I didn't see it to be too, uh, what was this? Lee J. Now I'm looking for, like, the whole story, backstory of, like, Lee J. Cobb. So, like, Lee J. Cobb, uh, tribute, Lee J. Cobb, famous Pope Smoker Friday show. Lee J. Cobb died painfully trying to remove pity from his relationships. Um, I don't know what that's about. That looks a little disturbing there. Um, yeah, okay. So that was amusing. Poor guy. Lee J. Cobb, good actor. Um, Death of a Salesman. Okay. See here, a little sign that says, like, midterm elections not pending out like anybody expected. Well, I don't know what to tell you these days. I just can't do it. But I'm glad we're kind of, like, beyond where, like, everybody went on Facebook and told, like, their, gave their opinions on every little fucking thing. That sounds a little ignorant. Of course, no. Everybody still does that. What the hell am I saying? What I mean by that is, like, there seemed to be a time where everybody was, like, giving their thoughts, people that never follow politics, giving their thoughts on, like, debates and everything after the fact. I think it's a little bit harder to do on Instagram than it is to do on uh, Facebook. But, uh, I mean, who, going back to... Going back to Death of a Salesman for a second, Sharon D. Clark, Clear, uh, Caroline, Change, Death of a Salesman, Young Vic, Blues in the Night. Yeah, I never. Did she do anything in uh, Holy City and Former, Doctor Who, Silent Witness? Um, Oh, Rocket Man. She was in Rocket Man. I didn't know that. Uh, Elton John uh, movie. Uh, but yeah, no, that was really interesting. Uh, just never seen her before. That was the play Linda Lohman and Andre Ben Lohman. Oh, Chris Davis. Uh, showstopper at 76. Oh, wait. Triple Crown winner in 2019 season award. Sorry, now we're talking about like Ben Loman. Happy Loman. <laughs> Happy Loman was played by McKinley Belcher, the third. McKinley was the last on Broadway in roundabout theater companies. Soldiers play in his next slave along enough for the Saskatchewan live action. One piece, the light. Yeah, okay. Okay, cool. 
Oh, didn't know that. Well, he's been on a lot of TV shows in Broadway as well. So, okay. So it was a good cast. I enjoyed it. It was a good play. Well, that was just something I liked. But, uh, <sighs> yeah, I should watch that too. In the background too, I got Seinfeld playing. Just like as the background thing. Um, even though, you know, still, it's a good show. Still holds up really well. Nothing like, uh, somehow, so. No, it's the episode where they're in the Hamptons and everybody sees uh, George's girlfriend, Topless, except for George. And George is like, you know, a whole shrinkage thing. I was in the pool. I was in the pool. Uh, poor George. Mm. Uh, you know, I got a joke about that. No, not I was in the pool. I was in the pool. Not that. But like how they... Uh, Well, if you see my act, you kind of know. I had this joke about how, like, family loved Seinfeld when I was a kid. And parents hated it. Because um, they didn't want me to end up like George Costanza. Which I don't blame them. I would want the same thing, too. Sometimes think about that. What would I want my kids to... Um, not know about, but, like, be exposed to at a young age. So they're not, like... Weird, you know. I think I think there's a certain point where, like, we have children, and you need to make sure that you know they're exposed to things at the right age. You know, like a horror movie. You're not gonna show a three-year-old that. Maybe you do, but you know, I don't think it's wise to like show like Silence of the Lambs to a youngster. Um, brilliant film. It should be watched. Worthy of people's attention, um, cinephiles, film buffs alike. But um, I wouldn't um, share that with a three-year-old, example, four-year-old, six-year-old, because as much as it is a brilliant film, it's not the right time yet. They have to listen to it in their own time. Is what I'm saying. Um. Yeah, like I wouldn't expose my kids to movie X, like a recent slasher picture, or even Silence of the Lambs, or, um, right, because I was watching a bunch of horror movies, right, the past couple of weeks, um, which, all good stuff. I mean, I really liked Barbarian, I liked Pearl, I watched X, X is just your, I mean, it's good, it's still good, but it wasn't like anything beyond... Uh, which you've seen in other horror pictures. Um, so it wasn't anything too, 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 too. Ugh, I guess I'll do it late at night. I mean, still fine. It's whatever. <coughs> but, um, right. So I wouldn't, wouldn't expose my kids to certain movies before they're to the time. You know, I don't want it to be, I don't want them to uh, just become fucked up. That's all. I still want my kids to be fucked up, which I think is a normal desire for uh, parents. And not even the parents, but uh, it might happen at some point.
Who knows? I mean, who knows at this point in life? Yeah, who really knows? Um, yeah. Also, did I tell you about the show that I had? I had this show a while um, last week, which was a. Um, yeah, it was my first uh, produced comedy show, really smart comedy show. Had to stick with the uh, the brand uh, for the smart comedy, and ultimately it was pretty good. I forget if I talked about this on the podcast. I think I might have. If I didn't already, I think I think it was happening last time we talked last week when we had um, uh, Vaughn on on last week, and so cool as Vern. You know, Vernon Payne. We had him on last week. Um, so it was happening. And ultimately, you know, it was pretty good. Uh, it was, didn't have a huge audience and had like, at the end of it, just had a kind of an open mic kind of vibe. But I will say that, you know, we put, I put on a show. And it was pretty wild. Um, Whit Wells did really well. Um, there was a moment where I was kind of like, you know, I'm not going to censor any of the comics. Their material is their material, and they're working out their material in the best way possible and being as funny as possible. We're all adults there. However, there was a period of time where when one comic was cursing up a storm, I was kind of like, I hope the, hope the bar guy at Channel Cantina, hope he knows what he's getting himself into. He was very supportive of what we wanted to do. Nice guy. And good restaurant, by the way. Um, so I know she was there. But I was thinking to myself, uh, I hope he knows what he's getting himself into. Uh, this is what he wanted. This is comedy. Comedy isn't the prettiest things of sometimes. Anyway, so they started telling their jokes. And they're talking to a microphone. They're loud and screeching and being like oh fuck this fuck that anyway it was funny it wasn't not funny but one of these comics had their um friends from work show up and their friends from work was really drunk and he was so drunk um that he was belligerent and he at one point was heckling his friend who he came to go support and they anyway he just kept doing as best he could with this guy yelling at him. It was kind of funny. It would be funnier if it wasn't if he wasn't the only one, one of the few audience members there. We had a couple. We had one couple. Um, we had the people at the bar and listening in on the show, and one couple who was watching a. Uh, uh, and listening to the show, they went to the restaurant because they knew comedy was happening. So we knew, so people knew this shit was happening. It wasn't like anyone didn't know it wasn't happening. So that was interesting. Um, and he, yeah. So this guy just went to the bar, start, kept on drinking, kept on drinking, and he just got more belligerent, and to the point where he pissed off the other uh, barflies. Let's just use that word, and they kicked his ass. <laughs> Now, I do not condone violence in any way. You know, I don't think that's 
the answer, but I don't know what exactly happened, but they just, uh, he said some wrong things, and, uh, yeah, he got his ass kicked. It's, uh, not really the prettiest thing possible, but it was something. And, yeah. What a great story. My first comedy show. My first comedy show. <laughs> but no, we continued to do the show and uh, ended it like that. I ultimately had a pretty good time. Oh, cool. The opposite episode's on. Yeah, sorry. I'm being totally distracted because I'm looking at Like, there's the... Uh, it all became so clear to me today that every decision in my life has been wrong. Sorry, I like the opposite episode. It's good. It's a good episode. <sighs> so, um, yeah. So, ultimately, it was a success. I was able to pay some of the comics. Or pay all the comics. Um, a little bit something just for their time. And uh, to feel that they were doing something. Because it's just interesting. Because the way that was set up was that that is a restaurant. And a bar. They make their money on the liquor. They make their money on the food. So, I we provide live entertainment. You want to be able to pay the live entertainment. It's not like it was a showcase um, where the main attraction was the comics themselves. I don't think that. So, I think in that case, you want to pay the comics. It's just this weird debate. And comics have had this for God knows how long. Um, about how, um, whether or not comics should be paid at comedy clubs. I think majority now get a little something. I don't know. I don't run a club, but I do believe that if you're a house comic, you get, you get a little, (coughs) you get a little something. Now, back in the day, and we're going back to the seventies now, mid seventies, early seventies, 73, 74. Uh, there was this big debate in Los Angeles of whether or not the comics at the comedy store should get paid for wor- the work that they do for their performing. Now, the thing was, you have to see it. Is it a bar with live entertainment or is it a stand-up comedy showcase? And the, and the bar and is this there as refreshments? Uh, what comes first? Because if it is a bar, then it is... Live entertainment is just at the bar for the patrons. I don't see it as that. I think the comedy store, as it was at least back then, was a showcase for uh, developing talent. And that's where people say, like, oh, it was a school. And, you know, we weren't really good. Um, When I say we, I'm just saying that, like, comics would say, we weren't really good back then, but we were just figuring it out. And it was an opportunity. It was priceless at stage time. Um, problem is, a lot of comics who have have a lot of money, and they need to get paid for, or not even just paid to really live. Just like give us some money so we, you know, for a set that we did so we can afford the cab fare back and forth, stuff like that. Um, and um. Which is fair because, yeah, because, I mean, again, they're back and forth. But I think, I think even, and also to a degree, because I was thinking even back then, too, uh, yeah, that there 
wasn't as many opportunities to get up and perform as there are now. And that was more, for instance, stage time. But that being said, um, um, that being said, um, I guess, you know, it just, yeah, in that case, if it was a showcase, it, you really don't want to, I guess what I'm trying to get at is you don't really want to encourage staying in one club. You get good, and then you move on to the next thing, and the next thing. The clubs themselves are not a show business. It's just a place to work out your material. At least that's how I saw it. How I saw it. How I saw it. Alright. I'm starting to get belligerently tired, so think we'll wrap it up today guys um how you feel Tom? that's you good all right you get something out of this babbling for like 20 minutes why not it's been like 50 minutes or so so um okay guys uh next week we'll figure out something for the guesties on so you know just listen to some young man with babbling with his crazy thoughts um okay uh please like comment subscribe download share the podcast and come see my shows. Have plenty of them. All right. That's Thomas Mart here, chilling, talking on a really smart podcast. See you next week. Take a chance. We hope you enjoyed this episode of a really smart podcast as much as we <laughs> enjoyed recording it. Remember, you can listen to previous episodes on TommySmart.com or wherever you get your pods. Follow Tommy at Really Smart Comedy on all the socials. Come back next week for more bullshit.